Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Let me bring up something that we talked about in, uh, just at the top of the show. Federer. Like, I know how much yeah. you love Federer. Yeah, well, he, he's got to be. He's done now. He's got to be done yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. He's 40. He's okay. He's 40 plus years old. Right. Right. This isn't where you can even stand in there and hang in there because a bunch of people are blocking for you. You got to go out and run that's with right. you know, <laughs> 17 year old dude. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, right. This, this isn't have another avocado sandwich and then scream at the referee <laughs> because somebody was crawling around your knees. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Will Bond will take any shot at Tom Brady that he can. And then he'll insist, well, he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. But, I, you know, no, I love him. I love him. No, you hate him. You take shots at him all the time. You I don't know him. if he's a good athlete. Yeah, he's a good just football player. Unbelievable. Chris Saliza is here. That was his voice. Nigel is here. The dog is barking. She's going to be barking for a while. She's very excited. Here's the deal. Um, she wants to go outside and play with the Frisbees. Who doesn't? Right. Well, she does. And I've had her out two or three times to play with the Frisbees. And now we're doing work. And she doesn't understand that because she's a dog. <laughs> and so she'll bark herself crazy for a while. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you'll all have to listen to it. Um, so I wanted to begin today just with, with just happy thoughts that Jay Cutler was dropped from an <laughs> Uber Eats campaign because he doesn't believe in masking. You know, this is... Well, Jay Cutler is a doctor. Oh, wait. No, he's not. Here's the thing. Jay Cutler can believe in anything he wants, and he wants to now run, apparently, for school board in Tennessee, where he's from. And, and that's fine. Well, all of that is fine. But there are consequences to the public positions that we take. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. If I don't know what Uber Eats is, some sort of delivery service. Yes. Nailed it. Yeah. And, and I don't know why they would want him, but they do. And if they then say, we don't consider this a responsible position and we're going to drop you from the campaign, that's the way it goes. I actually think Jay Cutler totally understands that. He's a graduate of Vanderbilt. He's, not, he's a smart guy. I think he gets that completely, and now he wants to take his particular message to the people and run for school board. Good for him, because it's an up and down on him. Up or down. That's right. Do we believe in this or don't we? And that, that's how democracy works, by the way. You have a point of view. That's right. You put yourself before the public in some meaningful way, and they decide. Yeah, that's how I mean, it goes. So I, I wanted to, I don't know, I'm going to start to ramble here, and I understand I'm going to ramble. And then I'll get off the stage because we have Jeff Passan and we have Chris to talk about Afghanistan. Because yesterday I attempted to talk about Afghanistan in the mildest ways, and I was stupid because I'm not, it's not what I do. I got a note today from somebody who was going to have a wedding in October. I was going to be invited to this wedding, just as a nice courtesy, because I know the family a little bit. And uh, the wedding was called off. Hmm. And, and she writes, uh, sadly, you know, and she used the word sadly, and she's postponed it two or three times already. Hmm. And this is the consequence, of course, of the coronavirus, which is now, I don't want to say as bad as ever, because I don't believe it's as bad as ever, but it hasn't gone away with the rapidity or the flow that we thought it would. That's right. Okay. So it's back, and there's the Delta variant. And if anybody thinks there won't be another variant, you're crazy. I mean, this is the way it's going to work, and it's going to work this way for quite some time. And so people are going to have to postpone things, and weddings are part of it. Weddings are a little bit different, of course. Weddings are parties. It's a little bit different than postponing your graduation or some of that. All of these other things within the context of the rigor of your life and your school, these are understandable. You can figure this out. Weddings, you set a date, you move it once, you move it twice, you move it a third time. Here is my advice for everybody who is in this position, including members of my own family. This is my advice. If you want to get married, go get married. Mm -hmm. If it is important to you legally and spiritually and economically and for whatever reason it is important to you, for whatever reason it is important to you, go get married. You can do that. You can go to a legal setting and in 20 minutes you can get married. And then if you want to have a party down the road, I'm sure your families would love to throw you a party down the road whenever that's convenient. Whether they're alive or dead, they'll leave money for you to do it if you want. I certainly hope you'll die. Soon. You know, yeah. <laughs> but to me, to me, if you want to get married, 
please just go get married. I mean, yes, I'll marry in my own house. Well, I can't because I'm not I'm not legally bound to do that. But I, I I cannot stress this enough that if that is important to you, that is a separate thing from a party. It's separate. You'll you can have the party. You may choose down the road not to have the party, or you may choose twenty years down the road to have the party, and you may pay for it yourself at that point. I I, I am I wrong on this? No. I, the post the, the well, postponements are heartbreaking to people. Yes. I I think two things. One, you know, my wife is a field hockey coach for many years, so we get invited to some of her former players' sure. weddings. And in the last 18 months, a bunch of them have been postponed for yeah. the same. And at least one, and I think two, have done exactly what you said. They went and got married in a, a civil setting. Have your immediate family. And then, exactly. And then some of them had parties earlier this summer pre-Delta variant. Okay. But so, so that's point one. Point two is... I think that you and I, our risk assessment, I think Nigel's in the same boat, but our risk assessment is different than the average bear, I feel like. Yeah, well, we're my, more cautious. I see, we're a little more afraid. I Way more. I yeah. see people on Instagram uh, who I know at weddings, at bachelorette parties, <sighs> at bachelor parties, yeah. at concerts. And, I, I mean, I had dinner one time inside in early August, I and I spent the entire next ten days thinking I shouldn't have done it. I have not had that dinner. And I'm not so, going to have that dinner. You know, it's, I'm old. I'm I'm much more yeah, vulnerable, right? Yeah. But I I think I think some of it. I do think you're right that there will there are cancellations. There will be cancellations. But I have been surprised. And again, how many, it's anecdotal. How many went on? But went on. how many people yeah. are sort of just. Acting. I mean, I go into stores in Virginia, and you're supposed to. If I'm reading the governor's uh, guidance, you're supposed to wear a mask so, inside. Okay, and I'll there's tell you this: plenty of people who aren't in Montgomery County. You have to wear a mask in Montgomery County. I went to the gym yesterday at Columbia, you know, which is I consider a fairly safe spot because most of the people who use that gym are in their 60s and 70s, and they're vaccinated mm -hmm. and they're cautious. And everybody wipes down everything, and everybody stays away from everybody. And there's a kid there in his 20s, and he's got a mask on just over his mouth. Not over his nose, just over his What's mouth. What's the and point? And it's a kerchief. And I go up to him, and I said, put your mask on. And he looks at me like, what? I said, no, no, put your mask on. You know, put it over your nose. And he does briefly, and then, you know, he doesn't a a after that. He's obviously the son of some member there. And you just say to yourself, why, why are you doing it? This is the actual rule. And Correct. there's a reason for this rule. Why are you better than everyone else? The rest of us have to have to do this. So to get back to the sort of the wedding deal, um, I, I, I just feel that if the amount of postponements are difficult for people, just go. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. If, yeah. if it's important and if it's not that important and you want to tie it into a party, then wait. Mm -hmm. Well, when you if that's what you want. When you set that goal line and you're like, okay, we, we'll get to that and yeah. then we'll have this thing. And when you move it and then you move it again and again. They do. They yeah. move it two and three and four and, times. And, that, and then you finally throw your hands yeah. up in the air. Yeah, because. The, but the, your the, immediate family will be happy wherever and whenever. Of course. You know, and, 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 and I want to. I, sometimes I, you're but not other people. Not cousins, not friends, not people coming in from out of state. No. No. No, don't do that. That's a bad idea. I think when people, I think the difference is when people initially postponed, there was some sense among all of us that We'd the vaccine was far off, maybe, but the vaccine yes. provided a light at the end of the tunnel. And right. Once we got 65% of people vaccinated, we would be back to normal. And so, therefore, one postponement, given the fact that, yes, the, the tunnel is long, but I see a light at the end yeah. of it. And now it's kind of like, well, wait, uh, you know, in May, Biden said, don't you don't need to wear a mask inside mm. anymore if you're vaccinated. And then in July, he said, you need to wear a mask inside when you're vaccinated. Again, going off of CDC, because he's not saying it, but the science moves. It, it just feels not like and yeah. now Last night, the New York Times reported that the Biden administration is going to recommend everyone get a booster shot eight months after you had got oh, yeah, your second that. shot. So that's, you know, for, for older folks, it's now the fall. Soon. soon. Um, 
it just feels like you said, Tony. It's it's not a we're in this fight that has a finite end. We it's, have we are th- yeah. this is something we are going we're underwater. to, have to, to we're live. swimming. We're going to have to live yeah. with. This is yeah. a condition we are going to live. We're with. We're just swimming yeah. at the, at the moment. Yeah, we have a lot of people who on this show, you know, invite us to their weddings, and they know that we're not going to show up. But they're young, and they want to have these weddings, and whether they go ahead with them or not is obviously. Their concern. I I don't know how I got to this. Well, I got to this point because I got this note earlier today, and it got me thinking about other things that had happened in my life that I w- won't even go into. When I was told, for example, this is not your stage. You're not supposed to be performing. I will perform. You will sit in the corner and shut up. That's a different story for another day. Well, I mean, I just thought that's that different. that was that was my view at the time. That's a different story for another day. But if you want to get married, by all means. Go get married. The party shouldn't be the raison d'etre for getting married. The the only caveat I, I would put in that is um, if you do want to get married, and yes, we encourage you to do that. Yeah. Um, just maybe not on a cruise ship. Don't get you know Captain Stubing to do it. I get email every day. Yeah. From cruise lines. Like, we're back I know in business. Pe- we're I know open. people you, who were like, oh, we're I guess you on, don't listen. Yeah. You know we're why? getting on the first one out of Florida, and I literally was like. Thought to myself, like, I have misjudged these people. Like, I, these people I thought were friends. Who who does that? I have a friend who's a comedian on board a cruise ship. He's you know, working. Really? Yeah, he's working. You know, and, What's and- the deal with rogue waves? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, again, you and I are far more cautious. We're, we than just, other I people. just, I think that this has, the, this whole thing, Brings but especially out the, the last six life. months, is it, it, it speaks to the different levels of risk that people are comfortable with and, and yes. you and i are just on one very we know it's not new but we're on one end of it i do i, I would wear a mask for the rest of my life if need i don't mind the masks indoors i do mind them outdoors i'm hoping that we don't have to wear them outdoors right you know i did that for a long period of time walking the dog and all of that and then they said it's not transmitted that way right it's just not so but i'm fond of saying this because i'm forced into saying it Everybody talks about the science, and everybody looks at science as if science is absolute, because you you associate science with mathematics, and mathematics may be absolute. This thing moves. Yep. You figure it out as you go. There, the the scientists are looking at all the stuff that comes in and making a determination on a Tuesday. That determination by Friday could change as they get more stuff. They're discovering the science as they go. It's a, it's literally evolving. The virus yes. is evolving. That's yes. how it works when it transmits through people. Yeah. Every virus. Yeah, it's alive. You know, you don't want to yeah. think of it that way. You want to think that, well, we have this vaccine, so we pin it to the wall and it dies. That's it. And it's, it's just, that's not real. I've, I've learned things in my old age that I never believed to be true before. So for those of you who are planning weddings and, and you are postponing or you're thinking about it just go get married that you know everybody you'll be happy every marriage that's is what great you we're pro-marriage yeah, here we like we yeah being married is fun so we'll take a break and when we come back we'll get off this topic completely but we'll go to jeff passon and we may end up on trevor bauer which is a much worse topic <laughs> than everything that i have I just mean, said ish. much worse i'm tony kornheiser you're listening to the tony kornheiser show this is the policy genius ad as you prep for back to school season slide securing life insurance onto that to-do list between buying a protractor and some number two pencils. Policy genius makes it easy to compare quotes and get covered. Summer is almost over. The responsibility is about to rear its head. Get ahead of reality and get life insurance done now with policy genius. You can get free quotes in minutes. Policy genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a top from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why would you compare? Well, you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year, kids, on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not for the insurance companies. You can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. Getting started is easy. Just head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free. Head to policygenius.com, P-O-L-I-C-Y, policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. 
This is Jake Lawfer in Santa Monica, California. And he says, thanks to you and the team for playing some of my new songs a while back. A true thrill that also ended up netting me literally tens of dollars in new music sales <laughs> via Apple Music and top online retailers. So now I'm back for more cash with some more tunes, including one about the Philadelphia of my youth that I think some members of the current 76ers squad might appreciate. Um, we're not doing that song. We, we played that. Center City. We, yeah, played that. we played that, I think, a week or two This ago. is called Only One in Town. This guy's good, Jake Lawfer. Yeah, he's he is good. very good. We'll Nils Lofgren, did you say? Jake Lawfer. And we'll oh. get back to him. This is called Sorry. Only One in Town, and it plays in Jeff Passan. And Jeff is dealing with us between hits on every single sports center all the time because this is, this is the crux of baseball season. There are two large stories, and I told him this before we went on. One for me is the Field of Dreams game, which I really loved, and we will talk about that. And the other at the moment is not Tatis coming back, and it's... You know, when it's not the Dodgers with Scherzer and Turner, it's no, it's it's not Otani. It's Trevor Bauer. And I bring this up because testimony started yesterday. The woman who was accusing him, the woman who, who sought a restraining order and I believe got one and is now accusing him of, of it's terrible, terrible, terrible things. If you read her testimony, which I read this morning in the Washington Post, he has been already. I don't know what the term of art is, but he ain't pitching. Baseball said, you're going to sit down for a while while we figure this out, while we investigate, while we see what is going on. I assume, Jeff, that he is being paid uh, so that he doesn't have a lawsuit against his team or against Major League Baseball. But where does this stand now from this testimony? And again, it's, it's one person's testimony, not both sides of this. But from this, it seems to me almost unimaginable that this guy is going to be back in the major leagues this season, if ever? He won't be back this year. Uh, that, that's pretty obvious at this point. Yeah. And Andrew Friedman, the president of baseball operations for the Dodgers, alluded to that on the radio with uh, our colleague Ramona Shelburne yesterday. The long term is a, a different story. And, and I think that that's going to be a litmus test for where Major League Baseball is right now and the tolerance that it has for acts of domestic violence against women. Because remember, our last real litmus test of this was Roberto Osuna. And Roberto Osuna, back when the Houston Astros were winning the pennant, um, was a guy who was being celebrated by the since yes. disgraced assistant general manager, Brandon Taubman, um, for being part of the team. Um, Roberto Osuna was a free agent, Tony, this offseason and did not get a single contract offer from a Major League Baseball team and is now playing in the Mexican League. So we, we've gotten a sense that maybe the tide is shifting in baseball. But then again, Roberto Osuna was an oft-injured closer. Trevor Bauer is a guy who just signed a three-year, $102 million deal. That's paying him $40 million this year and $45 million next year and was coming off of a Cy Young in a shortened season. This is an elite pitcher who was going to the defending world champions to make them even better. And so the notion that in the middle of the prime of his career, it's going to be over would be a grand departure from where baseball has been in the past. And something that uh, honestly, I think it, it, it's an opportunity for baseball to say that in the same year, that the Jared Porter story broke, that in the same year Mickey Calloway was uh, taken away from baseball uh, for at least two years, that, yes, this sport that has been so inhospitable to women in the past is, in fact, changing. This testimony is horrifying. There's just no other word for it. It is horrifying. Again, we have not heard from Trevor Bauer yet, and we we really don't know much more than what we have read today, but it's, it's brutal. 
I mean, it really is. And Bauer is not, and I don't know that this matters, and it should not matter in a legal sense or for baseball's decision, but Bauer is an almost singularly unpopular player, is he not, Jeff? It's it's interesting how Trevor Bauer's career arc has gone. He comes into Major League Baseball as the number three pick in the draft out of UCLA. The number one pick was Garrett Cole. They were teammates yeah. at, they hated uh, each other. You know, in college together. They despise each other. Um, <laughs> you know, oil, oil and water, two completely different styles. You know, Trevor Garrett was the guy who um, has everything when it comes to physical gifts. Um, Trevor was the guy who tried to essentially develop himself in a lab and did things differently. Um, and yeah, didn't didn't get along very well with teammates and with people. And uh, comes up to the big leagues, and you know, he, he, in the World Series, he cuts his finger on a drone, and you know, can't pitch for for Cleveland there, and that's after getting traded from Arizona. Uh, then, then he embarks on this branding effort. I hate that word so much, Tony. I find it to be obnoxious mm. and and disingenuous, honestly, because uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, essentially tried to portray himself as somebody who was going to fight the man in baseball. And he would pick fights with Rob Manfred and uh, would would criticize, and at some points, uh, saliently, uh, the the state of baseball and, and how it markets players and how it doesn't connect. And, I mean, he tried to announce his free agent signing uh, on YouTube and ended up getting scooped by reporters because that's how it works. Um, but he, you know, he was someone who really wanted to connect with fans and had a pretty large group of, of them out there on social media. But there was also this side of Trevor Bauer that was really dark and ugly. And, uh, you know, there, there were instances in which he would, uh, really harass women online and, was was criticized rightly for it and didn't take great responsibility for it and it, you know i i don't think that because you harass women online that means that you're going to allegedly punch them that's right um, that's right and punch them repeatedly which is what the allegations were from the woman in california and which is what allegations were from a second woman in Ohio. Uh, that came out in, in, you know the, this week in the Washington Post. That was Post story. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I will say this: when when you harass women publicly as a public figure, it does make you say, "What the hell's wrong with you?" What's your problem? 100%. Why are you doing this? What does this say about you? What what deeper seated issues are there here? No, uh, you're right on all of those things, and so we'll wait. We'll wait on this one. I'll go to something much more buoyant and happy, and that was the Field of Dream games. Um, I. I loved it, and I don't even think the movie's very good. I mean, I, it ain't natural, but um, so, but I, I love the game. I love the walking out of the corn. I, I even loved Costner, even though he milked it. It's, it's okay. The ratings were great. Now, this is a relative term because National Baseball ratings regular season are not much. They're not. Mm -hmm. But the, rating, the ratings were great. They're going to do it again. I, I read this morning on the crawl that it would be the Cubs and the Reds. How has, in your opinion, how did baseball handle it, and what is the bounce out of it if there is one? All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna confess to something, and it's gonna take us on a little tangent here. It's okay. Uh, I I did not watch a single pitch of that game because on because on the day of the Field of Dreams game, I actually saw something that. Uh, was real and not manufactured that felt like a Field of Dreams moment. I don't know, Tony, if you know who Chris Snow is. Um, nope. He covered, nope. the, covered the Red Sox for the Boston Globe uh, when he was 24 years old. So, you know, like to do that, you're a very good 
young, promising sports writer. And uh, I knew Chris because he followed me. Uh, it was a year behind me at Syracuse, and we worked together at the Daily Orange newspaper there. Um, Chris decided to leave sports writing and go and become uh, an assistant general manager for the Minnesota Wild. And that's a very odd career path to take, going from being a baseball writer to being a, a hockey executive. But, you know, for the last 15 or so years, he's done that with the Wild and the Calgary Flames. Two years ago, though, he was diagnosed with ALS. And oh. uh, every, every form of ALS is miserable. Uh, this was a particularly aggressive mutation that... Uh, Doctors gave him six to nine months to live. He had lost his father to it. He had lost two uncles to it. He had lost a cousin to it. Um, He went on an experimental medication, Tony, and that medication not only has stopped the vast majority of the symptoms, um, that medication has uh, made it such that Chris Snow, uh, nearly two and a half years later, was able to go to Fenway Park and throw out the first pitch at wow. the Red Sox game. <laughs> wow. That's tremendous. And That's not tremendous. only was he there, but his 10-year-old son, Cohen, and his 6-year-old daughter, Willa, were there with him as well, and they threw out first pitches, too. And, and the fact that um, Chris grew up you know, in the shadows of Fenway, um, uh, he, he is a Boston kid through and through, and that he was able to be there these years later with his wife and kids and with 30 of uh, his closest friends and with people who love him and able to tell his story and to continue to tell his story. Fenway Park, not a cornfield in Iowa, was the true field of dreams on oh, you're right. Thursday. Good. Then I'll get off the other topic completely because I've talked about it for days and days and days. And I'll go to another topic. And this is near and dear to my heart. And it's about why the, the Nats stink, how much the Nats stink. Um, <laughs> is there any worry in the commissioner's office that the Cubs and the Nats are degrading this season and influencing it in a way that it should not be? Because they're so bad and they're not going to win any more games? That worry is more in the office of Tony Clark, uh, the MLBPA Uh executive director. Because for years now, as they've been ramping up for this, um, you know, it has not yet turned into a public relations onslaught, which I I would say is is relatively fortunate for, for the labor situation in baseball. But as the collective bargaining agreement, Tony, expires on December 1st. Um, the MLBPA has been making competitiveness, or rather anti-competitiveness, a prime issue here. And, and the question that the union is asking is, how do we prevent something like this from happening? Not just because it's degrading the game, but because it's the sort of thing that often lends itself to players not getting paid as much. If teams like the Nats and the Cubs that have regularly had 150 to $200 million payrolls are tearing things down and joining the likes of the Rangers and the Orioles and the Diamondbacks and the other garbage-ass teams that are out there, and, and they're like seven of them right now, Tony, there are really, really bad baseball teams to the point. The chasm between good and bad is so different. I actually wrote an article yesterday going through every schedule of contenders to see how many of them play these terrible teams because it may make the difference for who makes the playoffs and who does it. And the oh, the Phillies. Phillies have the, 24 games against these terrible teams. It's yeah. so bad I sound like Tim Kirchner right now. That's how bad this is. Avocados. <laughs> no, you're right. All right. Okay, then good. This has been great. This has taken me in directions I had no idea we would go today. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you soon. All right, Tom. Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Jeff Passan. Hey, Tone, can I just recommend following Jeff on Twitter too? He's if, oh, yeah. if you're on, if you're into that sort of thing, it's just Jeff 
Jeff Passon, his name. He's got some really great stuff on there, including he referenced what I was going to mention, which is he did a breakdown of all the teams and their schedules against the terrible teams, the contenders against the terrible the teams. Phillies. Let 24 me games. tell you some of the games the Phillies have. Well, the three Nats. Three with the Cubs, three with the Nats, seven with Arizona, four with Pittsburgh, three with Baltimore. Oof. They're going to win all those games. Yeah, they have probably. 24 they games all those against games. the seven worst teams. The Padres, by comparison, have three. Yeah. All right. Well, we will take a break. Um, we will come back. We're going to talk to Chris directly about Afghanistan. Afghanistan, banana stand, as we used to say. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Zip Recruiter ad. Here are some of the things in life that I like to pick out myself. Uh, so I know I've got the one that's best for me, like cuts of steaks, mattresses, bottles of wine. And then they say, or choose examples of your own. Let me tell you what I pick out for myself. I will go and uh, go through meats, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll pick out the ones that I want when I'm in the supermarket. I will look at breads and pick out the ones that I want when Cutters. I'm in the supermarket. Uh, ice creams, you mm. know, I, I will pick fruit them out for myself. Definitely fruit and vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. Mattresses, not so much. <laughs> not, not, not as much as that. What if you could do the same thing for hiring? Choose your ideal candidate before they even apply. That's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. It gives you, as the hiring manager, the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. How's it work? When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send you the most qualified people for your job. Then you can easily review the candidates and invite your top choices to apply for the job. Lauren Webb, who's the Senior Vice President of Talent Acquisition for Mindula Health, raves about ZipRecruiter's invite to apply. She says, this is a quote, I love that feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate if I invite candidates. It's easy for me, and it's easy for them. Now, I don't know Lauren Webb. Now, if Lauren Webb walked in here with a shirt that said, I'm Lauren Webb, I wouldn't know. Say, put a mask on. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. But, you know, good, good. In fact, according to ZipRecruiter, internal data, Jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply get, on the average, two and a half times more candidates, which helps make for a faster hiring process. I don't hire anybody. I, I always read this ad with a certain amount of wonderment because I don't ever hire anybody, and I wonder if the people who listen to the show hire people. But if you do... Well, you hired me. You should give this a shot. They're you were, not officially... You were, <laughs> it's an unpaid position. You were forced upon me. <laughs> See for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address, <laughs> ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. That's Tony. To try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter. It's the smartest way to hire. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, Jake Lawfer. This is a song called I Wish You Well. And he writes, in my regular life as a TV producer, I have a new series that I ran for Netflix called... How to Become a Tyrant, that I also hope people will check out, yes. in which narrator Peter Dinklage lays out the steps for achieving and maintaining absolute despotic power. As The Rock sang in Mona, is that the song, Mona? Moana? Moana. Moana? I didn't know that song, because I didn't know The it's Rock a, it's sang. A, it's an, a, um, animated. animated. Okay. Yeah. What can I say except you're welcome? What can I say except you're welcome? There you go. Well Jake Lawfer. If people like Jake Lawfer and I don't want to send us their original music, which is great and which can be heard at the end of the show without me interrupting it, how do they do so? You can send it to uh, jingles at TonyCornheiserShow.com. Uh, and again, as we always say, if please send your original music and it's your music. If it's your friends or your relatives, make sure that they email us with their permission as well because we'd love to play it. It's all brilliant. So I want to talk about Afghanistan, which dominates the news. Even last night, I watched a video of uh, Joe Biden talking about it. I got on the air yesterday, and I don't know if you even heard this, Chris. I would. I did. Uh, and, and I said, basically, why is this surprise What's anybody? What's the big surprise? Right. Why does this surprise anybody? We saw the Russians do this. We've done this. And, I, and my essential point was... <sighs> Just because you may want our stuff doesn't mean you want to be like us. You're older than we are. You've been around a long time. You've had the governments you've had. You've had these tribes forever and ever and ever. Why do we think that we can say, hey, I got a great idea, guys. I got it. And then people say, wow, we never thought of that. Let's do that. I call it democracy. You know, we never thought of that. So let's start with that. 
people seem to be very surprised by this. I don't want to be too cynical, but I, I, this doesn't surprise me even a little. The only thing that may surprise me is that the government fell in an hour instead of four days. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> let me first say uh, to uh, head off uh, Twitter critics, I have not spent my life steeped in Afghanistan studies. Right. That said, here's what I think we should take from this. There is a reason we – a trillion dollars has been spent by the U.S. government over the past 20 years in the wake of September 11th. The reason that Biden circled September 11th for the full drawdown of our troops in Afghanistan was to say, effectively, this war – could go. We could have an American military presence there literally forever. At at some point, we are going to need to say either the Afghani government that we have trained in the police force and that we have trained and, and tried to stand up, either they will stand on their own or they won't. But ultimately, us being there for another six months, two years, twenty years isn't going to fundamentally change that, right? He, that, that's, that was the calculation. And by the way, I'll note, that was the calculation that Donald Trump made as well. The, that's right. The reason that we're sort of where we are, I think Biden would have done it anyway, but Trump negotiated with the head of the Taliban in February this drawdown. Now, he said it was going to happen in May. Biden postponed it uh, until ostensibly September. So it's not as though they're in huge disagreement, although Trump is now saying they are. They weren't. Everyone sort of arrives at this similar conclusion, which is there's just not a solution here. If there was an easy solution, every president who has tried to address this would have solved it. I think what is difficult for Biden and difficult for us as we watch it on television is the rapidity of the Taliban's control over things and what seems tied to that rapidity what seems to be biden and his experts whether that's tony blinken uh jake sullivan his national security advisor <clears throat> they're not being fully prepared for this eventuality i, I don't think anyone looks at afghanistan and says we really should prob well there are people but we really should probably spend another 20 years and another trillion dollars there. The question is, is there a middle space between what we are seeing at the at the airport there in the in the capital and another 20 years and a trillion dollars? So Biden, in his message yesterday, very directly blamed the Afghan leaders. Yes, very directly. You know, he, he basically washed his hands of this and said, we gave him money and we trained him and they just, you know. They took bribes and they just bagged the whole deal. And so that is his way of saying, I had no idea it would be this fast. But he's not saying, I had no idea it would happen. That's right. Because, of course, he had an idea what would happen. Where are the generals on this? Where are our generals on this? I've got, I'm just taking a wild guess here, that I would think this surprises them less than it surprises other people. Yes, and I think they were, again, I, I think it's hard to generalize about generals, right? right? I mean, there's lots of them who have lots of various viewpoints and various politics. I think, generally speaking, they were wary of this decision to pull troops out uh, because they expected some—I don't, I don't think— I don't think there were a lot of people expected it to happen this quickly. I mean, right. it's literally been days. Yes. Um, but I think that the instability in that region, the re-rise or potential re-rise of the Taliban, I mean, I, I, these, these were known risks. The, these were not things that Biden or any of these generals didn't see. So I, they were probably more conservative in their approach to it. That said... I think what's really hard is it's easy to say, oh, my gosh, this this is a, a, a humanitarian crisis that's going on. You know, uh, if I'm a woman in in Afghanistan uh, or, or someone who worked as a translator or, you know, helped the American presence there or the Afghan government, I'm going to be really worried. That's easy to diagnose. We all see the pictures. It, it, it's it's terrifying. The scenes from that airport with them oh. running next to the plane is awful. The question and this is not as emotional, more intellectual as, so what would you do? That's the problem. There, There isn't, so do we stay another six months? Who's to say, g given what we just saw, let's say we go back in there with a significant military presence and they retake the capital. 
in six months, if we leave, what do you think based on the last week is going to happen? Right. Right? right. I mean, and at what point is that the U.S.'s responsibility? And at what point isn't? I mean, the truth of the matter is, I don't know the answer to that. I know that that question is a hell of a lot harder to answer than to just say, this is awful what I am seeing playing out. I think we all agree on that. The question is, where? what do we do differently that produces a different outcome? So I don't, I have no idea if we, I do remember that Donald Trump negotiated directly with yep. the Taliban. And did and by the way, just as a note, side note, did not include Ashraf Ghani, who is the president of Afghanistan, who fled and, right, and Biden fled. and Biden by name denounced that he had told me that they were going to be right. committed and but he, he Ashraf Ghani was not included in the deal that Trump so, and the Taliban leaders So I'm going to just make a wild assumption that whatever the Taliban leaders told Donald Trump they're not going to hold themselves to that they don't really care that they're, they're you know that doesn't matter Well um, they have all the I mean they, they have a whole hell of a lot of leverage at this point yeah, right they're but, in control of the country But we have we have American citizens and more importantly because I think we'll get American citizens out We have people of Afghan uh, ancestry who helped us and who helped this government and we got to try to get them out. I mean, you know, the Marines would say, we're getting them out one way or another. When you see, and we talked about this, Chris and I, before we even went on today, if people are so desperate that they think hanging on mm. to the side of an airplane is going to get them through. Uh, uh, an airplane taking off. Taking off. Like, you know, is there is there some way to either negotiate this or just say, get these people out to safety? I mean, there is always a way, I think, to get everyone out. I don't know where you draw that line. I mean, right. again, this is why right. these, this is why the hard questions don't, the easy questions don't make it to the president's desk. You know what I mean? Obama has said that They're before. Done. The hard, the hard questions, the, the ones that there aren't any good answers for are the ones that get you there. That's why you're the president. But I was stunned is the wrong word. I was surprised. Biden essentially said, I'm the buck stopper, and That's then went on, said. and then went on to literally blame everybody else. else. Yeah. Blamed everybody else. It's like saying I'm I'm responsible for this uh, Nats debacle. That said, Trey Turner refused to sign a deal. Right, and the and relievers Scherzer wanted stink. to be with a. It's like, yeah. well, you just said you were the buck stopper, right? Anyway, given that tone, and he is a very stubborn person, I don't see any significant reversal in the broad position of the United States. I mean, he just said yesterday, amid all of these awful images on TV, I still think we did the right thing. I know that this is difficult. Now, that's not exactly what you asked. You said, can we get all these people yeah. out? Um, I saw there was a military cargo uh, plane yesterday loaded with 631 Afghans. I mean, literally cheek to jowl yeah, in like there. Yeah. The normal capacity, I think, was 150 I mean, or something. Right. Like, like, like yeah. there's a safety danger in taking off with yeah. that many people, and the pilots did. I mean, there's real heroism happening here. Sure. I just don't know where you draw the line. Do you only take out American citizens who were there who were at the embassy? Do you take out translators and people who help? I mean, I just I think that's a very... Hard line, because no matter, anytime you draw a line, there's going to be people on the wrong side of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know where the next spot is that we will go in, and, and this will repeat itself, but it's happened at a variety of spots in the world in the last 50 or 60 years, and, and we do this. But I would ask, are there, and this is very minor compared to lives, and I want to say that up front, very minor compared to lives. But I assume there will be political ramifications mm -hmm. of this. I assume sure. there will be electoral ramifications with this. What do they look like S now? So Biden's speech yesterday, and I would urge people, watch the clips if I you did. haven't watched the whole yeah. thing. His speech is instructive to what he believes to be the politics are. I always say politicians are political it's right there in the name it's what they do <laughs> they have to get elected so do. you know when people say like oh well we can't talk about politics it's in the name of the job right um in that speech what he clearly believes is that take a step back let's go two weeks from now a month from now that the american public does not want an extended 
protracted military presence in Afghanistan. That, that, that the idea that we invaded Afghanistan and we are still there 20 years later and we've spent a trillion dollars, that that is unpopular with the American public and that once we get beyond some of these really grotesque images, yes. um, that ultimately that will be what matters. Now, uh, we were talking about viruses change and evolve. Well, public opinion changes and evolves based on high-profile moments. Could this be one where there is a lasting change? I could see a poll coming out tomorrow that says a majority of people think that we need to go back in there because they're affected by the recent the visuals. Right. Sure. In a month, is that true? In a year, is that true? Remember, Joe Biden is still in his – it's his seventh month in office. He, If he stands for re-election, it won't be until 2024. So I think you have to be careful of making too many – assumptions and doing too much analysis based on standing right in front of the picture. Yeah. You've got to take five okay. big steps back. His belief clearly is that the big takeaway is the American public does not want us in Afghanistan for, for any longer. And that is what he has done. Obviously he would like it to not have been played out this way, this quickly with these images that will be lasting images of his presidency. People running after that cargo plane and trying to climb onto it will be a lasting image of his presidency. I don't think it will be the lasting image, but it will be yeah. one. And he didn't want that, but I think he thinks the broader picture is is okay for him politically. I will just say this, that I think that an enormous number of Americans didn't even know we had people in Afghanistan over the last 16 to 18 months because they've been concerned with a virus. Mm -hmm. They have looked very narrowly, very small. They have not looked worldwide at all. If you look worldwide, for example, at something joyful like the Olympics, you go, wow, there's nobody there. What's going on over there? And everything, and it's myopia, but it's legitimate well, myopia. Everything is virus. What concerns you more? Uh, a virus that has killed 650,000 Americans yeah. that every one of us knows someone who has gotten it or knows someone who yes. is sick from it or a country many thousands of miles away that, let's be honest, if 15% of people could point to Afghanistan on a map, I'd Can't. be surprised. I'd be very surprised. It's just, it's, you are impacted by, you, you follow more closely and are more deeply impacted by what impacts you we yeah, are at, yeah, at root sort of thank selfish you. beings great thank you thank you with all thank you for clarifying so many of these things we will take a break we will have email and a jingle that'll be funny that'll be funny i guarantee <laughs> i'm tony kornheiser you're listening to the tony kornheiser show listen little and some bigs too he's gonna read them Maybe one's from you. <laughs> yeah, the golf talk drags. Enough with the golf. Tony's got an email <laughs> back. <laughs> <Hot tub! laughs> the incomparable Robert Burke. The, in the incomparable Robert Burke. Uh, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad for us? We have bagels. You can take some home. Chris can take some home. We're happy. Oh, really? Yes. yes. Very exciting. That is yes. Unexpected. Bethesda bagels. In lieu of payment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got you this bagel. Yeah. <laughs> we love them. You will as well. Go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. All right. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say later on he had an idea. <laughs> to build a city out of a desert stopover for GIs on the way to the West Coast. That kid's name was Mo Green. And the Mo city Green. he invented was Las Vegas. This was a great man, a man of vision and guts. And there isn't even a plaque or a signpost or a statue of him in that town. I'm going to take a nap now. If there's $2 million when I come back, I'll assume I have a partner. Thanks to our guests today, Jeff Passan and Chris Saliza. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Policy Genius and ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. The smartest thing that was ever done in the movie industry was the combining of Godfather 1 and 2. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's, uh, you, yeah. don't, you don't yep. have to go anywhere for four hours. <laughs> Six you hours. You don't, you don't have to go anywhere. Whole thing. You don't yeah. have to go anywhere. And then the guy who said, three... 
No, it's not weird so that much. they stopped after Godfather Two. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> not so much. First two have been so successful. From Joe Caroni in Kansas City, Missouri. The other day, you were telling Al Michaels stories, and I said I know that guy. From 1984 to 1994, I was a clubhouse attendant for the Kansas City Royals. After Game Seven of the World Series, Al was in the Royals clubhouse and was interviewing players. When Michaels was finished talking to George Brett, George called me to his locker because he knew I enjoyed meeting celebrities. He introduced me, and in the heat of the moment, I could not believe what came out of my mouth. I said, "Hey, Al." Great to meet you. Can I have your microphone? <laughs> Al laughed as he unplugged the mic from its cord, and he said, sure, why not? I won't need one until next season. That microphone is one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia. When people come into my office and see an ABC microphone and I tell them who it belonged to, most of them pick it up and they say, do you believe in miracles? <laughs> Thanks for years of enjoyment. How great is that? From Jason Massapust, the Milwaukee of the Milwaukee Brewers Baseball Club. My wife is doing the Ironman Maryland next month, and we'll be spending like five and a half days in the D.C., Baltimore, Delaware area. Most of those days we'll be staying in Graysonville, Maryland, which is kind of close to the race. However, one day I have it planned to take a road trip out to Assateague Island oh. because I've heard you have to see the ponies. See the ponies. Then we'll head to Rehoboth and back. What I'm looking for is some advice, please. Best place for lunch and local beer in Rehoboth and the best spots to get local beer in D.C. Thanks for any help you can provide. Now, when Michael gets back, he can do this better than I. There are a bunch of breweries out there, but I'm going to hold this one for him, although I'm just sort of worried that well, no, it's in September, the Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. But I can yeah, tell time. you that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, the Back Porch Cafe is always good in Rehoboth for lunch. Um, there's a lot of places that are that are nice, but I'm going to hold this one, Jason. He said, I'm not much of a PTI viewer, but I've been listening to the radio show since the last night, since the late 90s. So let's hold this. I'll recommend sure. for breakfast to rise up right at the circle there. I love that place. Yeah, it's rise very, up to coffee it's, joint. It's, it's a very Saliza. Then they've got kind of Le place. Egg, which I think is <laughs> yeah, a little Le too egg. fancy. Le Egg's too not much. For me, no, no, no. I don't, I don't go to Le Egg. Do you go to the... I go to the Crystal. Yeah, Crystal. The Crystal. That's where it's That's at. That's old-fashioned yeah. breakfast aren't and the, quick. Aren't, isn't there great food to be had on acetique with the ponies? I don't know. With the that ponies? I don't know. Huh. From Tom Harris in Waynesboro, Virginia, just this morning my wife informed me that my size 37... Brooks Brothers Chinos had developed a hole in the seat. I'll be in Rehoboth next weekend, so if you can place the two remaining 25% off coupons on your front porch, I'll swing by and get them on my way to the outlets. From Dennis Bounds in Redmond, Washington, I enjoyed your tale of outlet mall shopping, particularly the purchase of a Brooks Brothers full zip sweater worth $160, priced at $50 in the clearance rack, and discounted even more at the checkout. Contrary to Michael's feelings that you are perhaps cheap, I say you're frugal. What a bargain. The woman to whom I'm related by marriage was listening along with me as you ended your story with a big mistake. When you admitted you probably won't wear the sweater, my usually calm, mild-mannered partner at marriage spoke in a firm, loud, certain voice. If you don't wear the sweater... It's not a bleeping bargain. And she didn't say fudge. I will wear the sweater. Yeah, you'll you wear gotta the sweater. wear it. Yeah, I'm just saying to. I have a lot of them. <laughs> There's a haiku for Brooks Brothers full zip sweaters and coupons from Shad. Twenty-seven bucks. Point where unneeded sweaters become intriguing. <laughs> from Liam Prince in Macclesfield in England, in your neck of the woods, Ooh, Nigel. Huh. Dear Mr. Tony. Benjamin. Regarding your new sweater and your celebration, it's so it always amazes me. People listen yeah. from such distance. Regarding your new sweater and your celebration of the fact that you only paid $27 for it, consider the following facts. You do not want the sweater. You will not wear the sweater. You do not need the sweater. Brooks Brothers could not sell the sweater. Best of all, they convinced you that you won this transaction. <laughs> Did you ever wonder why they were more than happy to take your assorted combined coupons? <laughs> the current Mrs. Prince, that's his wife, often returns from shopping trips explaining how she has yet again saved us money by buying vastly reduced items we did not need. It is comforting to know that idiocy has no borders. That's a great email. <laughs> From Michael Ritz, not to pile on the raft of emails from the Jeremiah's and the Jolene's of the world. I actually like my rather pedestrian first and middle names, Michael David. Perhaps the two most popular names of the 60s when I was born. I've often asked my parents, was I a surprise or something? To which they reply, they simply like these names. But my last name is another story. Throughout my life, every time I'm introduced to someone, I'm in inevitably greeted by like the cracker back in my school years other kids would jump on me on the playground and taunt everything's better when it sits on a ritz now that's yeah. funny yeah that's funny <laughs> putting on the, the ritz yeah, yeah the popular yeah, yeah. advertising tagline at the time in ads that featured andy griffith more recently countless people sent me the weirdly popular meme of vladimir putin and a box of ritz crackers 
Putin on the Ritz, which, of course, <laughs> harkens back to the worst of it in the, the 80s when that insufferable version of Putin on the Ritz by Taco. And yes, it even happened at the Summer of Littles last weekend, which I proudly attended with Chuck and Roxy of the Loyal Littles podcast, shameless plug, to which I replied, the cracker, huh? Never heard that before. And he signs it, Michael Ritz, like the hotel. Oh, yeah. Nate Romance in oh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I wonder Carolina. where this is headed. Mm. My name is Nate Romance. I grew up in Normal, Illinois, which is the hometown of Dave Kindred, I add. So we were the normal romances. If the story ended there, it would be kind of cute and funny. Hard to order a pizza on Valentine's Day, but other than that, hmm. all good. But to get to the full story, we have to bring in my father. He has a PhD, a real one, not a doctorate of humane letters. Shot at me. <laughs> so he was Dr. Romance. Professionally, my dad taught PE and health at the elementary school that I attended. That means an entire generation of children in Normal, Illinois, including myself and my sister took sexual education instruction from their teacher, Dr. Romance. <laughs> so I'd like all the Paul Simons, John Glenns, and Jeremiah's to think back to that birds and bees talk you had with your dad. Now imagine all of your friends being in the room with you as your dad covers human growth and development lessons. That was me and Dr. Romance. Because of this, nothing has embarrassed me since sixth grade. Eat it, Jeremiah. <laughs> Some our friend, Brandon Costello. A bit of advice for all those Jeremiah's, Jolene's, and Gene Genies out there. Stuck with a name you hate? Feel socially crippled by a moniker your parents thought would be cute? Maybe you're just ready for some new stage magic. Guess what? Nobody cares if you change your name. Well, almost nobody. Brandon Costello. What Did we ever decide Boker or Bowker? I think it was Bowker. I think it was Boker. Was it Boker? I think it was Boker. Oh, it, the yeah, debate rages on. Yeah, From John Donnelly in Enfield, New Hampshire. On Monday, you casually buried the lead. Mentioning your attendance at a Kiss concert in the 70s. Oh, yeah. We need to hear more. Which band member do you most identify with? Does black and white grease paint easily come out of an orange beard? <laughs> I will hang up and listen. And I'm going, to, um, I'm going to talk about this for just about a minute. I was a rock critic at Newsday. I went to the Calderon Music Theater in Hempstead one night. Rockville Center or Hempstead. It was one of those two places to see Kiss. I'd not heard of Kiss. Not heard of them at all. I watched this band go on stage in that makeup for pretty big guys and bang out a sound that was deafening. And I looked at this and I said, whoa, this is something I have never seen before. This is going to be the biggest thing in music quickly, and I'm getting out of the rock critic business. And I stopped within a month. I stopped. And it wasn't that I didn't think they were good. It was that it was just beyond me. Where it was going, the theatricality of it and right. all of that was beyond me. And there would be no way to evaluate the music, no way to fairly evaluate the music, because it came, it came in that package. You had to deal with that whole Kiss, package. I believe he had that. Yes. And, and, and you know who <laughs> took my spot afterwards and was far, far better than me? Or maybe he was before me and he just left, but far, far better than me or far, far better than I. Dave Marsh, oh. who has made a great mm -hmm. career out of being a rock and roll yeah. critic. Right. Dave Marsh. He was great. So anyway, if you're out on your bike tonight, everybody, as always, do wear white. Stop the hammering. Stop, Stop the best. hammering out there. Honey. Where is it coming from? Where I don't hear it. it. Where is it? Where's the hammer? I don't know. Go, I don't know. The, go up on the other floor. Somebody go I don't up know. there and stop the hammering. <laughs> stop the hammering. I don't know. Yeah.
lost upon a southern stormy sea Far from our fortune, farther from home Outside of ourselves and all alone For all the heights you've taken me Solace that remains